0: Welcome to Vet Story. I'm your host, Navy veteran Phil Briggs. Now we'll start this episode with the sounds of the trailer for America's top TV drama.
1: It's so strange, isn't it? How just like that, a complete stranger can become such a big part of your story.
0: All right, full disclosure, I'm a fan of NBC's This Is Us. I've been watching The Pearson Gang now since season one, and every Tuesday night, my wife and I find a little time by ourselves to grab a box of Kleenex, curl up on the couch, and get emotional as we watch the stories unfold. And uh, I started last year really noticing the veteran vibe uh, when they covered the Vietnam aspect of Jack's service. It's actually
1: kind of terrifying. A single cross with one person you've never met can change
0: everything. Pearson, of course, the, the father figure on the show. And um, I was really amazed at how well they covered it. And it turns out that they've had some help from some military veterans. And last season, it was the acclaimed writer Tim O'Brien that helped them navigate the Vietnam episodes. This season, they're taking a look at the GWAT era, and they're looking at the Iraq-Afghanistan war and sharing some storylines about veterans. And they are getting some expert advice from our next guest, U.S. Marine veteran James Laporta. Also, see him writing for Newsweek and follow him on Twitter. James, glad to have you on the show, man.
1: I'm glad to be here. That was uh, quite an introduction. Thank you.
0: Yeah, man. I, I was really glad to see your name pop up because I've been following you on Twitter, as I've told you. I love some of the stuff that you put out there. And it's really cool to me to know that you are, in fact, a legit warfighter. Because, you know, there's a lot of us in journalism, right? I mean, I'm one of them. You know, I've never seen the sandbox. I've never been on, the, you know, the wrong end of a gun. I, I wouldn't even know what that's like. And you have some... Steep and deep experience. Tell me a little bit about where you were deployed.
1: Uh, sure. Uh, I was deployed. Um, I was a U.S. Marine Infantryman. I deployed uh, to Af- uh, the southern Helmand province of Afghanistan uh, in 2009 and then uh, went back in 2013. Southern Afghanistan is, uh, you know, uh, unlike in the north of Afghanistan, you have more of the mountains and the coringal and stuff like that. In the south, it's, it's very agricultural. There's a lot of farming happening it's it's very i mean there's a couple of mountains but they're not they're nothing major you know it's more just a lot of farming a lot of um a lot of growing uh poppy which gets manufactured into heroin and then a lot of um, marijuana fields uh i've seen some uh quite large marijuana fields in afghanistan <laughs> i mean the the size of like three or four football fields i mean it's it's pretty outrageous and some of those plants uh, I didn't realize that, I mean, they can get up to six or seven feet. I mean, they're pretty tall. So um, so that's pretty much what southern Afghanistan is, other than just being in incredibly hot during the summers.
0: I've actually heard similar reports from uh, a few of my friends that have served over there. Uh, and in fact, that was a running joke of a buddy of mine who, like some of your friends, made the ultimate sacrifice out there. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, man. Um, but, you know, that's one of the things we joked on. He was like, man, the weed plants are taller than anybody I know. It's seven-footers out there, man. He was at run. He was always funny to point stuff like that out.
1: Yeah, there's this, like, one running joke that sort of goes on, like, it, when you're patrolling through those sort of fields, uh, the running joke is, like, you know, I hope we don't get blown up because uh, we might be too, you know, we might be too high to fight back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that was sort of a running you know, it was sort of like an actual like worry, like man, I hope we don't hit an IED or something because I mean, it was it was said jokingly, but it was actually a, a real concern. You know, um, there there would be sometimes where where you know they would burn uh, the poppy, and and you would have the same effect. You had to sort of make sure that you weren't downwind uh, from the from those fumes. You know, oh, that's so. Crazy. Um, I mean, it, it's bad enough that sometimes the Afghan army would sometimes. Um, they would get high before going out on patrol, which, which, you know, greatly concerned us, you know? And so, you know, we didn't want the other fighting force being us uh, being high as well, you know, even, even if it's on accident, you know, <laughs> but, uh,
0: <laughs> I mean, I knew there were a little bit different standards between us and the Afghan fighters, but uh, I never would have guessed that, uh, you know, you could blaze up while on patrol. That's, that's uh wow.
1: I mean, I wouldn't recommend it.
0: Well, you know, for as long as they've been at war, James, maybe they need that to incentivize recruitment, all right? You know, I mean, they've been there, they've been fighting for a thousand damn years over there. <laughs> okay.
1: It's the graveyard of empires. Amen.
0: All right. So, all right. Let me just uh, switch gears real quick because I'm dying to ask you this. Um, I was a Dinfo's trained killer. I went to the military to become a journalist, and I was a journalist in the military. You were an 11 Bang Bang. You were an 11 Bravo. How on earth did you end up with the journalistic chops to, one, be writing for huge publications like Newsweek? And then, two, you know, now you're advising TV networks like NBC on the hit show This Is Us. How did you end up going from infantrymen to this?
1: Um, By accident (laughs) is (laughs) is the best way I can describe it. Okay. Uh, And and I don't mean that flippantly. Like, I actually mean that by accident. Um, I was in the Marine Corps for eight years and and was an infantryman that time. And um, in 2013, I had started working uh, in the intelligence community, but I was still an infantryman by trade. And uh, I was coming up on reenlistment. So, this is the uh, going into 2014. And in fiscal year 2014, you know, 14 was a little bit different. Uh, President Barack Obama was trying to end the war in Afghanistan. And so, you know, we trying to end any war, you're going to have a drawdown of forces because immediately you're going to have a, you know, you're going to be over budgeted in terms of the troops that you have. And so I was trying to reenlist and they kindly said, uh, thank you for your service, but uh, you're going to have to get out now. Oh really? You know, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything wrong. I I essentially, in civilian terms, I got laid off is is what happened. And so I basically, you know, had a month or two to completely check out of the Marine Corps and and figure out what I was going to do in life. So the journalism thing, being, you know, working in the intelligence community, you learn to write a lot. Sure. Uh, you know, sure. sort of, we're constantly just writing. Oh my gosh. And Fit and, reps,
0: sit reps, everything has a rep. Everything has a damn <laughs> report. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And, and so, and, and everything has to be sourced, you know, in terms of like where this piece of information came from or that. And so I was like, well, maybe I can just do journalism until I figure out what I want to do. It was one of those also things where it's like, um, I knew I wanted to say something, but I wasn't ready to like deal with my own sort of issues with, you know, war and losing friends in war. Mm -hmm. And so my thought process was uh, not, was uh, I'll write about other people. It wasn't so much like what journalism is. Journalism is is designed to keep, you know, the the American public informed. Uh, That wasn't my main thrust at the beginning. My main thrust was uh, I feel like I need to write something. I don't know what I'm going to write. And I don't know, um, I don't want to write about myself, but I've always been told, you know, write what you know. And so I know the military. And so I just started writing about other people's experiences. And that's sort of how I got into journalism. Um, wrote a lot of emails saying, hey, um, I'll work for free, you know.
0: Well, that'll get you and a just, job in the media.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and, and that's what I did. Uh, for almost a year after the military, I worked for free. I, I, didn't, I didn't earn any money. Oh, uh, man. And, and, you know, I considered it, you know, sort of honing my chops, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then started writing for, I started freelancing for the Washington Post and freelancing for the Daily Beast. And, and then four years later, I got hired by Newsweek. And just like you, I am a fan of This Is Us. Uh, from the very beginning, I was a fan. And I also took note that they had started to go into the veteran experience. And I had the same thought that you had, which was, wow, they're doing a really good job. You know, and, and I wonder if there's a story there. And there, it turned out there was. They had hired Tim O'Brien, who probably wrote. The, the best one of the best books to come out of Vietnam, which was the things they carried. I mean, it was nominated for the Pulitzer. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: So, I mean, that that's just why they were so good. I, I mean, that's the down and dirty in terms of how I got hired uh, to consult uh, is actually a little bit of an embarrassing story. Um, it's it's embarrassing for me in terms of being a professional journalist now. Um, I was about to interview uh, Dan Fuldman, the creator of This Is Us, and, and Tim O'Brien on the phone, and in about an hour. Before I got on the phone, um, I had received word that a Marine that I had served with uh, had taken their own life. And, and so I get on the phone an hour later with them to essentially talk about war and Vietnam and what it's like to come home from the war. And uh, I'll be honest, I completely broke down. I mean, I just couldn't hold it in anymore, you know? And, and I was, I sort of went into very much an apology mode because, you know, my job is to interview them, yeah, yeah, not to start breaking down and becoming emotional, you know? And so it was really embarrassing. I, I felt really bad about it. I kept kicking myself for being a professional. And, um, I mean, NBC and this is us to probably tell you, I started sending tons of emails just trying to apologize. And, and I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was Dan Fogelman reached out and was like, dude, <laughs> you're being too hard on yourself. Like you're, you're only human, you know, like it's not a big deal. You know, they were really gracious about it. Stayed in touch and said, you know, if you're ever in California, I'd love to bring you by the set and, you know, let you look at the sets and all that kind of stuff. And so I was out and I had went out to California to investigate a different story and was just close by. And I said, uh, Hey, I'm in California. And he's like, Oh, come up, you know, come by, you know, come by Paramount studios and, uh, <laughs> So I, remember, cool. I remember asking like I was like, Do I just walk in or like how does this, you know, I don't know anything about Hollywood, you right, know, or right. you know, I didn't know how the whole thing worked. I was like, is there like a guy that I talked to? You know, I didn't even know <laughs> even how to just even go about asking, like, uh, yeah, I'm here to see this, you know, Dan Fogelman. And so uh he was like uh so he showed me around the sets and he showed me the editing bays and he stopped and said, I would love to have you talk to the staff writers for about fifteen minutes. And what was only supposed to be 15 minutes turned into a two hour long conversation. And it was, it was, I mean, it was a long two hours. It was almost like, I felt like I was in a therapy session in terms of, you know, sort of laying out my life story. And then it was not long after that where Dan was like, I, we want to hire you to so wow. start working on season four. So, I mean, when I say it was an, all, an accident, it it really is an accident, or at least it feels like it's been a big accident. <laughs>
0: Thank you for sharing that, brother, because, I, yeah, that is highly personal. Here, when you said it was a little bit embarrassing, I thought it might involve, like, you know, just some kind of humorous anecdote from a cocktail party where you met somebody and, you know, did something. But, gosh, that is just so touching. And it really shows in how the first episode kind of unfolded. Um It was done with such incredible detail. You could tell that there was a real warfighter. There's a real GWAT veteran kind of behind it from the very beginning with, uh, you know, the way she's on the phone in, um, you know, those buildings that are erected out of just two by fours and plywood uh, to the way that everybody was seated in the Humvee and the way that they were all wearing their gear. You know, I mean, everything looked legit. There was... uh,
1: well, the, the reason for that, I mean, it's it, 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 not to cut you off. But no, please. You just, you just brought, brought something up that, that I haven't said yet. But the reason why that, the, especially like where she was with the plywood, uh, the reason why that looks so real is I had taken photographs of what my room looked like in Afghanistan. And so they took my photographs and literally recreated what my room looked like in Afghanistan. So the room that she's sitting in, it is almost an exact replica of what my tent looked like in, in 2013. Uh, all wow. the patches on the wall are, are mine. Uh, all the things that are on the desk, you know, she has a map there. She has a couple of publications. All the patches in the background, um, even, even letters um, that, I, that I received while, while deployed, those, those are all mine. And and so, I mean, th- just the level of detail that they went to, that was very, that was one of the most surreal moments I've ever had, was walking into that room where, where she's going to call her husband over Skype, because uh, I was like, oh my God, I, I'm back in my tent in Afghanistan. It was very, very surreal, and just the level of detail that they went into to get all that right uh, was pretty incredible. <laughs>
0: That's so cool, and it's so good to hear, too, because, like, you and I both are, you know, we're both veterans, and when we watch some of these shows, you know, it's always, he's a veterinarian, Navy SEAL, Green Beret that's being chased by the CIA and is doing surgery on dogs in an airplane. And right. it's really never anything like that, you know? <laughs> that's not,
1: yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. It's, it, war is incredibly boring, and then you have moments of sheer craziness and chaos. <laughs> And then it goes boring again, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so, I mean, that war is is um, it, 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 in, in the in the moments between boredom and sheer chaos is, I mean, it can it can take a toll, you know. But no, I, I mean, basically, from the moment we started having our first conversations of what Cassidy Sharp was going to look like and what the character was going to be, and they really wanted to get it right. So even before we started filming, I wrote like a thirty-page. Sort of like Bible on on how to get everything right, and what I didn't know is that they had been doing their own research uh, and had become just as, just as obsessive as I was to get everything right. You know, a detail that I talked about the other day was um, even the Afga- uh, in in Afghanistan, uh, the males will they'll sometimes dye their beards red. If you look at that first episode and look at the Afghans, you, you can uh, the Afghan males you can see that their beards are dyed red. I mean, that's a very Very specific detail that even without that detail, it would have still been fine. But I mean, just that's the level of detail that they put into it. And then everything in that first episode, I can tell you exactly where it comes from. So everything is either is a true story or comes from an actual fact or comes from an actual statistic.
0: Right on. Let's dive into just a couple of those real quick. Um, you know, I've watched the show for a couple seasons, and then this first episode, it's all these new characters. I'm like, who's this woman? And she's a Marine, and she's coming home to see her family. But, you know, they start in the sandbox, and she's over there in Afghanistan. What's going on? And what I loved were some of the storylines that I actually saw from you on Twitter. Let's start with her name. Jennifer Morrison's character's name is? Cassidy Sharpe. And Sharp comes from a real world or a real person's experience that, that you know about. Share with
1: me that. So Cassidy, was what I think, was the name that Dan had come up with. And at some point, you know, I just sort of asked, like, hey, can we give her the last name Sharp? Which is an homage to um, someone I served with on my first day in combat. So uh, Lance Corporal uh, Charles Seth Sharp of Adairsville, Georgia, um, died on my first day in combat. Um, which is July 2nd, 2009. And, and so uh, I wanted to pay a, a small homage to him. And, and what I did realize is getting a character named is actually uh, not an easy thing. I, I didn't realize that uh, names have to, even fictional names have to be approved, you know. Huh. Uh, you know, that's why they can't, you don't have like two Bruce Waynes, you know. Bruce Wayne is Batman, and that's trademarked, you know. So, oh. um, so I thought, you know, oh, just throw out a name. You know, I didn't realize that there's a lot more to it than that. And so uh, when the name got approved, I mean, it really meant the world, you know, to have that uh, her name that uh, there's actually another character. The character that she speaks to in that first episode is uh, Sergeant Lasher. Sergeant Lasher is another guy who I served with in 2009 who who died on that deployment. Uh, his name is Lance Corporal Jeremy Lasher. So so I, I started, you know, recommending or writing in just these little homages. To, to people that i knew or that had served in in combat and died just as you know little tip of the hat to them and their service and their sacrifice
0: i loved it i loved it and i loved even more because again i'd watch the episode and then i see you on twitter and i'm like oh there's, i just wish i could do kind of a like a sort of after action podcast after every episode that follows the g watt journey and follows her character because uh I know that there's so many things that I don't even know about that I'm witnessing. Uh, I'll give you a tip of the cap on one thing I did witness, and that's how I knew you were a real Marine, um, because your one line of dialogue. I, I don't know if you saw me on Twitter. I actually screen capped it when I saw your face on camera on the episode. And you're one of the Marines posting up guard outside of this room or outside of this house where Jennifer Morrison's character Cassidy is is like interrogating someone and they go into this house to get this intel and she's been in there for like you know five minutes and the guys outside on watch are getting really stressed out because you're supposed to be getting out of that village because it's you know you don't want to be in the village for too long because marines turn into targets and i loved your line there's a dog barking off in the distance and you're like if that dog keeps barking i'm gonna shoot it And I just was like, that's every, that's exactly what I would expect to come out of every Marine I know's mouth. You guys are salty. You guys got kind of sour attitudes. You're tough. Um, I loved it. I love the realism and the grit that that character displayed right there. And then of course the gunny that yells at you or your Sergeant, your first Sergeant, whatever he was right there. Uh, you're not going to shoot anything Marine.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of realism in that, in that scene. I mean, one, um, uh, in Afghanistan, we we had to actually shoot dogs. Uh, not it, it wasn't because we wanted to. It was because that they were barking and giving away our position. Oh shit! And so so that's an actual real thing. So that that like I said, everything in that first episode, I can tell you exactly where it comes from, and it comes from real life. So that's a real thing. So so again, it wasn't that we wanted to. Uh, it, and luckily, I actually never had to. Hmm. But it was always from a, a point of it's giving away our position. It's going to you know sort of alert. The local Taliban, and, and actually the the, uh, the actor who plays Sergeant uh, Sergeant Lasher, uh, Rich Paul, um, is actually a former Marine himself too. So so there was, uh, and actually all the background uh, extras who played Marines are, are former military, either you know Navy, uh, a couple guys from the Army, former Marines. So there were a lot of veterans working on that set, which was just awesome to see. So cool.
0: Well, let's just uh, wrap it up here real quick and say, uh, who have been some of your favorite characters to meet? Um, let me see. Is is Mandy Moore as nice in person as she seems? Is Sterling Brown as funny and quirky as he seems? Is Justin Hartley, the youngest brother Kevin, is he really as as handsome as he seems? And, uh, you know, Jack Pearson, man, is that guy just like, like do, do women just swoon when he walks by? Mila Ventimiglia? I mean, I just... Uh, well-
1: well, I'll, I'll go down the list. So I'll share one anecdote about um, maybe more is, at, is exactly who you would think in real life. She's a very genuine person, very down to earth and humble. Um, an interesting fact <laughs> that I brought up to her is um, I grew up in Orlando, Florida, which is where uh, she grew up as well. Huh. And, and, at one po- and at one point, uh, we went to the same acting school at different times. It was called, uh, it was called Lisa Maley Modeling and Acting. And obviously I didn't, I, obviously she was very successful in both. And, and I, uh, didn't go off into either. and <laughs> <to> <laughs> It was mostly just a, a school that, you know, uh, but to go, it was mostly something to do between like, you know, football and baseball, you know, season or whatever. Sweet. But, uh, yeah, different times, you know, so, uh, I remember growing up or, or cause she was a couple of classes ahead of me, or I think she might've already graduated, but I remember seeing her very first headshot up on the, uh, up on the wall. And I remember bringing that up and she's like, Oh my God. You know, so there was actually already a, a, a weird sort of like six degrees to Kevin Bacon sort of connection. Right. <laughs> Sterling K Brown. I did not get to meet. Unfortunately. Uh, I, I wanted, I really wanted to only because, uh, I used to be stationed in, uh, uh Paris Island in South Carolina and, and in Charleston, South Carolina, they used to film army wives and, uh, which is a show that he was on they were like filming downtown or something. I think we walked through one of their scenes or people were like walking through their scenes. So like they had, they had real good security. So they had to like, you know, I think I messed up. We messed up like one of their shots or something like that, but it was, <laughs> what you, it, know, what like it trip? you were day. destined
0: to pull a cameo it, in a TV show.
1: Okay. Yeah. Very it was cool. all these weird connections. Uh, I met Kevin uh, briefly. It was very, he was working at, at the time, you know, but um, I told him I was working in the writing room. And and I said it's like a therapy session. He's like, oh, he's like, well, that's why they have all the tissues. You know, they have like these little tissue boxes everywhere around. Because I mean, not only does this is us make the fans cry. I mean, there are people. It makes the people who make it cry.
0: That's awesome. That's a and fun. And then fact. Milo,
1: Milo, he really listens intently. Anytime uh, there's a veteran or someone who served in the military, like he will stop and just really just pay attention to their story really just genuine guy and really sort of cares. And, and I think that's in part because, you know, his son's is a son of a Vietnam veteran, you know, and so just really has a heart for, for those two communities. That is so cool to
0: hear because I spent a career in rock radio when I got out of the Navy myself. And, and I'm here to say that like rock bands also are exactly who you think they are sometimes. And that's not always a nice thing, you know, I mean like <laughs> drunk and crazy is no way to go through life. Um, it is so nice to hear that these that the tissues that the scenes that the connection they're making to the words that they're reading is that real and that these people behind these characters are just such sweet awesome people, and it makes me want to watch the show. This is us, NBC. I'm almost proud to say that I watch it, and it doesn't sound like anything, you know, this toxic masculinity kind of guy would want to watch, but they're just such damn cool stories and behind the scenes. James Laporta at Newsweek Magazine, uh, writer, Marine, you were helping making these scenes come to life. Is there anything you can share with me coming up now?
1: The first uh, Pearson family member she meets is, it, well, I, I, I mean, well, Nikki Pearson, because he threw up a chair through the window and she's staring at him. Oh, that's, so that's right. all I can say. So, <laughs> okay, so
0: I can't get anything out of episode three from you. that okay. That's the
1: only, you know, <laughs> I mean, I mean, that is the intelligence as we have it at, at, at the moment in terms of uh future intelligence. I can either confirm or deny. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Anything.
0: (laughs) Well, well, you (laughs) Um, know what that means, Mr. Signal Intelligence. You know what that means. I'm going to have to have you back, and we're going to have to do another This Is Us recap from behind the scenes uh, after the next episode airs.
1: I I can't wait for everyone to see the the rest of the season, but uh, no spoilers from me. It's actually, (laughs) and believe me, let me say something about the spoilers. You don't want to know ahead of time. Right. I, I say this as a fan. So I, like, I started as a fan of the show, and now I know secrets, and I wish I didn't know them, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Right, right. Because I like like finding out, like, last night's episode, or or the last uh, episode two, uh, I didn't know much about that episode, and I liked it. I liked finding out what the story was, just like the rest of the the audience watching. So it's actually, I know sort of people like to know, but it's better if you don't.
0: Well, that's awesome, brother. And I that's tell you I one...
1: take on spoilers.
0: <laughs> I tell you one thing that's really evident is it's really cool to watch it and then unpack it with you and learn about all the little things that went on in the episode I just saw from behind the scenes and from the writer's room. So I, uh, I really appreciate you, man. James Laporta, I've been a fan. I'm glad I finally tracked you down and we did this. Let's do it again really soon as the season unfolds. NBC, this is us. Absolutely. Be well. I will look forward to seeing you. You got any more cameos? Can I know that? Do I get to see your face on screen again this season?
1: I can neither confirm nor deny. (laughs)
0: Nothing. I love it. James, great to talk to you, man.
1: All right. Great to talk to you. Thanks for having me.